Lord, we come before you and <clears throat> we give thanks for all the blessing that we receive from you. And we give thanks, Lord, that, that your intention for us is not just for us to be a reservoir receiving blessing, but you want us to be part of that channel of that blessing. So we pray for the school supply drive, that you can make it a blessing. We continue to also, as we learn about the meaning of spiritual gifts, that may, may you activate all of us with our gifts for the growth of your church and the praise of your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, Mera. Great to see everybody on this beautiful morning. And um, I want to, uh, we've been going through 1 Corinthians. And uh, many of you may remember that we talk about the main idea of 1 Corinthians, which we call it from one generation to the next. God's love transforms his church to be imitators of the crucified Jesus. And, and if you think a little bit more about this, this main theme, you may wonder why is it not just the imitators of Jesus, but imitators of crucified Jesus. And I want to actually encourage you to kind of think about that. And, and, and why is it that the, the, in the carrying of the cross and following Jesus, and even our own crucifying, our own desires, why is it such an important part of what God is doing and of the main idea in 1 Corinthians. So today <clears throat> we are picking up the, uh, uh, this, uh, the study from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'd like you to join with me in the reading of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 from verse 1 to 11. Um, I have it, I think I have it on the screen. The font's maybe a tiny bit small, but we can read it together. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11. Let's read it together. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts by the same Spirit, and there are varieties of service by the same Lord, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who approaches to each one individually as he wills. So we pick up in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, just early on we were actually looking at the whole idea of what, the, what the God's purpose in his church, in worship, <clears throat> and in communion. But here we pick up where Paul's starting out a new section, which these section markers, if you kind of pay attention to it, uh, in 1 Corinthians um, between chapter 7 to verse 16, there are multiple of these markers where he says, now concerning, such as in 1 Corinthians 7, 1, now concerning the matters of sexual relations, 1 Corinthians 7, 25, now concerning the betrothed. And here we start a new section of new idea <clears throat> where Paul talks about now concerning the spiritual gifts or spiritual things. And he reads that now concerning the spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. And what it's saying here is that we cannot be ignorant about spiritual things, about spiritual gifts. Believers cannot be uninformed, cannot be ignorant when it comes to these things because 
these, the, the spiritual gifts from God are indicative of God's purpose and God's mission for our lives. I don't know how many people here uh, have a decent idea about what your spiritual gifts are and are actively trying to think about how these gifts could yield maximum impact for God's kingdom and for his glory. And so he says that this is something that we cannot be ignorant about. And he goes on to start talking to verse 2. He said, you know that when you were pagans, that you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. And um, some scholars believe that what Paul is talking about here in verse 2, actually harking back to um, in Roman times, where in a lot of these major cities, and Corinth is one of them, where uh, during religious festivals, um, there would be a, a kind of a parade. Uh, some of you, if you've been to Asia, uh, places uh, uh, in Southeast Asia, you may see some of these uh, parades where there's all these bang of noises and, and sound, the, the music, and, and people are, are, are walking in parade, and, and uh, there may even be animals back in those days. And the parade would take a, a supposedly sacred route sometimes, and it will end up finally at the, at the temple, and where there will be a major uh, 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 service of worship and the killing of animals and, and the committing of sacrifices. And, and so if indeed Paul is thinking, having that in mind, which some people believe that the words here being led, that they were led, uh, not necessarily led astray, but he's just being kind of led off to, then he may be suggesting the idea that he's reminding these Corinthians that in their former life, that they were enslaved in ignorance. And as they were following along, just follow the crowd. And maybe even consider the fact that there were animals that was kind of in this kind of a, in this procession. Except that when they reach the temple, those animals are slaughtered for sacrifice. And he may be hinting and suggesting at the idea that, that that's how it was. And, that, and, that when they, and when they reach that destination of the temple, the idols that's being worshipped, the offering, the one that the offerings are being made to is a statue made of stone and wood or metal that could not speak. And so he used the word mute idols. And he's saying that in those former way of life of Corinthians, he said you used to follow God's that could not speak a word of life into you. And so all the more, so much more so, that we cannot be ignorant about spiritual things, about our faith, and in this context, spiritual gifts. And so he says that no one, you to be understand that no one can speak in the Spirit of God and say Jesus. Jesus is a curse, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And here he speaks of, about spiritual discernment to, to be informed about spiritual things, to understand the truth of God in the Bible. We need a habit to be in the Word of God, and, 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 and we need to learn spiritual discernment. Just the other day, like two, two weeks ago, we had somebody knocking on the door Sunday afternoon. I got home a little early that Sunday afternoon. Usually I don't get home till kind of late. And I got home a little early, and somebody knocking on the door, and two, uh, 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 two people came by, and, and they were just, they right away spoke to me in Mandarin. And these were Caucasians. They were like 
whoa, they're speaking Mandarin to me. And, 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 and then right away they opened up their Bible and, and they presented me with a Watchtower magazine. And so I realized that I mean, these are people who have been working on studying the language. They obviously have kind of targeted me uh, by, by my last name perhaps and, and, and came, to, came to talk to me about what they believe. And I think about a lot of times where, where when people are, are encountered by cult groups and, and lacking the ability to discern. And here, and back to what Paul is saying here, that discerning at least shows two things. One is to be able to know what is of the Holy Spirit and what is not. If you can't distinguish that, you have some serious problem. And the second thing that's implied here is that all spiritual discernment always comes down to what you believe and do about the person of Jesus Christ. So we continue here. Goes on verse 4 to 6. He said, now there are different gifts by the same Spirit. There are different ministries by the same Lord. And there are different results by the same God who produces all of them in everyone. This is the uh, New English translation. And so if we could take a moment to kind of just kind of define spiritual gifts in a very simple way. And we will say spiritual gifts are defined as aptitudes or abilities given by the Holy Spirit to each and every child of God, every believer, to enable them to help build up the church, the body of Christ. Spiritual gifts are to be differentiated from talents, though it may be connected to one's talent. So before a person comes to know Jesus, they do not have spiritual gifts. But as a person comes to know the Lord and they receive Holy Spirit into their life, their talents may be anointed to become part of their spiritual gift. Such a person, for example, may be previously gifted in, talented in communication and may be given the spiritual gift of preaching or teaching. Maybe, I'm not saying necessarily. So there may be a relationship, but not, not absolutely. Spiritual gifts are given to every single child of God. Uh, even as we receive Holy Spirit into our life. And in fact, I firmly believe that each person have not just at least one, but I believe most people have more than one spiritual gift. Uh, some people say that there are primary gifts and secondary gifts. I'm not going to go into there right now. But I would say that these spiritual gifts, these special spirit-anointed, spirit-given abilities is intended for us to use to honor God. And it's related Intimately to our God-given missions in life. Spiritual gifts must be differentiated from ministry positions. The same gift may be used in a variety of ministries by different people. For instance, a, 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 a young woman with a gift of shepherding may be using her gift as a spiritual leader, a small group leader, or maybe uh, using or her gift as uh, someone who is involved in the caring work in a small group, or maybe, maybe a small group uh, coach, or maybe, uh, maybe actually a pastor or minister, or may just be using her gift of caring uh, to making an impact in her neighborhood. Spiritual gifts are to be differentiated from actual, the actual ministry positions. There's a variety of expressions of that gift. And we see from these four, ver uh, four verses, 4 to verse 6, that the Trinity shows up here. 
He says that the gifts are given by the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit, but there are different ministry to the same Lord Jesus Christ, and there are different results or outcome or activities, but it's given that determined by God the Father. And so we see a beautiful display of how the Trinity is involved in the outworking of spiritual gifts. And that the gifted people serving the same Lord Jesus Christ, given by the same Holy Spirit, resulting in different outcome as determined by the Father, that we see the Trinity in action together and as we are brought into service together. So verse 7, it says then, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. In other words, to you to know and use your gifts is the way that the Holy Spirit actually desires to manifest Himself in our lives, in our church. And so we come to the second point, how not only we are to, not to be ignorant of our spiritual gifts, but to recognize how we've been graciously given these gifts for the common good. Verse 8 to 10 reads that, for one is given through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom, the other, the utterance of knowledge, to another, faith, the gift of faith, to another, the gift of healing, to another, the working of miracles, another, prophecy, another, the ability to distinguish between spirits, another, the gift of tongues or the interpretation of tongues. The New Testament, there's some different counting of how many gifts are listed in the New Testament. I count loosely maybe about 19 gifts. And I, I tend to believe that, as a number of people believe, that this, that list is not exhaustive but rather it's kind of just a sample of the many things that God's given us. If you want to take a look at and tally those gifts, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and Romans 12, Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4 are, are some of the places that you can look it up and try to tally in the gifts. But as I see the gifts, I don't think the gifts are exhaustive. And that these listing about examples, examples of how that the possessing of these gifts are to be used for God's church. Now, Clarifying a few more things. Having a gift does not mean that you're automatically insured of amazing results or outstanding outcomes in service. Or it doesn't mean that it will make the service really easy even. For example, um, those who are gifted will say preaching and teaching. It does not mean that they have the gift, therefore they don't have to prepare. In fact, just the contrary. The area of your gifting is precisely what? The area you need to do the most work and practice in order to, for that gift to, to go to the next level. So ask Pastor, ask Pastor Andrew or ask Pastor Edward to see whether or not that is true. That in fact, if you possess a certain gift, all the more responsibilities is there for you to prepare yourself to study well, to steward well these gifts. And on the, the opposite end of things, on the other hand, not having certain spiritual gifts does not exempt somebody from certain type of Christian ministry or service or responsibility. For example, we just hear a wonderful sharing from our youth who went to do a, a, a summer missions trip involving evangelism, sharing the gospel. Now, I think there may be some people in that group that are gifted evangelists. But I'll bet there are a number of people may not be given the gift of evangelism. And yet they still possess the responsibility 
to share the gospel. The responsibility of the Great Commission is given to all believers. It's not just given to the few who have the gifts. The few who have the gifts, their responsibility, according to Ephesians chapter 4, is actually not just to do it themselves, but to encourage, to teach, to model, to equip the rest of the body and to lead the way for us to serve well. So if you have the gifts, that's also the cue for your leadership calling. Because if you have that gift in caring, you're not just to do the caring work yourself. You are to actually to lead the way to get others involved. How do we care together? The gifts are not only important to use, it actually helps us to know that's the area I need to focus on developing more for the good of the body and the glory of God. In John 16, we're told that when the Spirit, Jesus told us when the Spirit of truth comes, he said he will guide us into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, Jesus said, but he will, he, he, what, whatever he hears, the Spirit, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, Jesus said. You see, similar to the Holy Spirit's character, we're told that the Spirit is not about self-promotion or personal glorification. That rather the Holy Spirit is about, he's all about revealing and glorifying Jesus. Likewise, the gifts from the Holy Spirit is also given not for the recipient's personal achievement or individual glory, but for the benefit of the entire body of Christ. So in our list, short list here in chapter 12, 8 to 10, we saw a number of uh, different type of gifts here, and some of the gifts of most unusual nature. The gift of healing, the gift of working miracles, the gift of prophecy, the gift of tongues. These gifts, sometimes otherwise known as sign gifts, as a special sign to the body, are particularly curious to most of us. The gift of healing appears to be uh, the special power that we saw in Jesus and the apostles, whereupon laying on hands and praying that they saw people healed right there. But I like to think that the gift of healing may also encompasses some who are particularly gifted with a passion and a heart to pray for the sick. The gift of prophecy may be about foretelling the future as God's spirit impresses upon them. But it is also very likely that it made the, spirit of the, the, the gift of preaching were as indicated elsewhere in quite a few places in 1 Corinthians and the New Testament, which we will look at even more. And the gift of tongues. or uh, uh, Some people believe that this is a gift of able to speak in multiple foreign languages. And others believe that this may be a special prayer language that may be unknown to otherwise in the world. Now, we are not going to the detail about these gifts today. I'm leaving that to my colleagues to better discern these, these details when we, especially when we tackle 1 Corinthians 14. But I would just say, enough to say here is that these type of gifts, these kind of special sign gifts, requires very special and careful discernment. We should not be obsessed with them or the people who claim to possess them. Nor should we reject them outright. I think if gifts are freely given by the Holy Spirit, 
we must recognize the Spirit's sovereignty and lordship in what he's doing. So I'm just going to stop on the sign here and come to the last part, which is really my main, the main thing I want to talk about, the giver of the gifts. How do we trust in the wise and loving heart of the Holy Spirit? 1 Corinthians 12, 12, 11 says, All these are empowered by the one and the same Spirit who apportion to each one individually as he wills. <clears throat> Now, first of all, just a, a few things. In, in, um, I, I, Eugene Peterson, one of my favorite authors, <clears throat> he, he, he wrote, in some places that the church, in some places of the church, there's considerable complaints about this absence of the Holy Spirit. These critics are confident that they know what the presence of the Spirit should look like, and they are loud in protesting his alleged absence. They are also ready with strategies to recruit the Spirit, but we know from Scripture and the Bible and the church that the Spirit's well-known pachan for anonymity. And in fact, we already know from just the scripture we looked at today that every act of obedience that honors Jesus as Lord reflects the work of the Holy Spirit. And every faithful exercise of the gift is a demonstration of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. So we can rest certain that the Holy Spirit is never Absent in the church. What tends to be absent is not the Holy Spirit, but we ourselves and our hearts. And to truly appreciate a gift requires an appreciation of more than the contents of the gift. But we must go further. We must consider the gift giver himself. In fact, often, how we perceive a gift will ultimately be determined by whether or not we are able to discern the heart of the giver. <clears throat> Let me give you a couple of examples. Let's say you come home and you saw a drawing of you that does not look anything like you. In fact, it looks more like a caricature of you, that may not be a really great gift. Now, unless, unless you found out that the painter, the drawer, the artist behind that portrait is your child who has spent all day looking at a picture of you and trying to make a portrait of you and as a gift to you. Now, that knowledge will very much change how you perceive that gift. You come home late from work, <clears throat> and there's a bowl of cold noodle left on the table, dinner table for you. Now, but if you know that had you not come home late, that your beloved spouse, under all the stress that she was under, had actually barely was able to get that together for you, and you came home late. And that knowledge of what she went through to get that prepared for you may fundamentally change how you receive that dinner. A sweater given to you may not seem like anything different from another sweater. In fact, it may even look a little worse. Until you realize that it was a gift 
that your mom had knitted for you by hands for a month just for you. Now that's when it becomes something very different. To know the true value of a gift, one needs to know much more about the gift giver and the giver's heart. And in Psalm 139, we, we're given an unusual glimpse of the mysterious person of the Holy Spirit. And I, I want to read part of Psalm 139 to you. Um, oh Lord, you've searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search down my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, oh Lord, you know it altogether. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? Your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. If we can imagine for a moment two friends, let's just call their names, um, for lacking better names, Spencer and Melvin. Spencer is the nicest guy that you will ever meet. He's honest and wise, compassionate, organized, and clean, really clean. And then there's Melvin. He's not so honest. In fact, he often deceives himself. He can be nice sometimes, but for the most part, he may be one of the most selfish guys you will ever meet. For the most part, he's not just messy. He's messed up. Now, Spencer knows full well the kind of person his friend Melvin is. He knows about Melvin's dishonesty. He knows how Melvin uh, <clears throat> will try to take advantage of him. He knows how Melvin sometimes does not say thank you and does not say sorry. He knows Melvin is nothing but trouble, really, in many ways. And yet somehow, somehow he agrees to join Melvin as his roommate. Why? Because Spencer, it's not because Spencer is out of his mind, but it's because Spencer just really, really cared about his friend Melvin. And he thought it would be good that he could be a good blessing to his friend. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, he says. And sometimes, sometimes I wonder, how could it be that the Holy Spirit will want to have anything to do with me and will actually put up with being inside of me. When there are times, honestly, I don't want to be inside of me. I think one of the most overlooked acts of the great love of God, besides, I mean, we all recognize that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. I, I mean, that's incredible, the ultimate act of the God's love. But I think the one of the most overlooked great act of God's love is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. 
The great truth tells us that at the very moment that we come to faith, that someone as good, as kind, as perfect, as holy, as the Holy Spirit of God, who knows me inside and out, who knows about all my broken past and my future troubles, will love me enough to be my friend and come inside of me to live with me and be with me and putting up with my filth and hypocrisy just to help me and love me. Indeed. I think that's why the psalmist say that. How precious, how precious the spirit and his thoughts about me and for me. And if that is not enough, have you ever had friends who are just really, really good at giving gifts? You have, you know, friends who, who do not just give out any gifts, but always take much time and much thought and much heart to pick up just the right gift for you. Even making it themselves. And it is always a story and a special meaning behind their gifts that they do and give. Have you ever had friends like that? And I like to believe that that's what Holy Spirit is like and more. That he does not give out a hand of gifts casually. And it is still more about this giver. Romans 8 tells us that likewise the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know how to pray for as we are, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows the mind of the Spirit as the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And if we could go back for a moment to that story that I made up about Spencer and Melvin. Let's just say that Melvin got into even more troubles and now he's loaded up with debts and that he cannot repay. And now he's taken to court. And his friend Spencer not only does not give out and abandon this guy who has used him and hurt him, Spencer goes to court for his friend, trying to help him pay back his debts, even defends him and plead before the judge before him for his friend. That's what, what kind of a roommate would be like this? He does not give up on us but intercede for us, the one whom we have hurt. And wronged against. The Holy Spirit knows all about our flaws and our troubles. And now can you imagine what such a friend who has not spared of giving his own time, his own heart, and he himself to us. What kind of gifts would he give to us? You won't come to grip with the reality of the gift until you have come to grip with the goodness and heart of the giver. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, all these, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportioned to each one individually, individually, personally, thoughtfully, as he wills. The Greek verb here translated empowered in ESV and a gale is, is, is a root word behind the word, word energy. RSV translated as activated. This is a power-loaded verb because the gifts come from the Holy Spirit were never meant to be doormen or set aside in a, in a closet. They are meant to be activated, to be used, to be turned on, to put to word, to blossom. And, and just let it rip, let it go. Let the gift unleash itself. Kind of like the 007 movies where Bond always receives some special equipment. And you know, you don't need to know the, the, the plot to know that, that those equipment that he received, it's going to come in later on in the plot line. 
and it's going to be critical to saving his life and completing his mission. Well, except the spiritual gifts are much more important than that because it is not just for one-time use only, but it is all about the uncovering, discovering of these gifts. It's all related to what your God-given mission in this life is all about. There is a wise and loving heart, a beautiful and perfect purpose behind the spiritual gifts that we have received that we must not miss out. Do you know what are the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you? And are you actively praying and seeking to figure out what that gift, how that gift should be used and how God may be glorified through that gift. It is given to you so that you can be part of this vision of transforming generations. And I want to encourage you uh, to read ahead 1 Corinthians 12, the rest of the chapter of 1 Corinthians 12 before we go into our next message as we look into more, understand more about gifts next week. But for now, I want to ask you, just take a moment. I know we're running out of time here, but I want to take just a moment of silence for us. Here, just to kind of pray and to give thanks and ask God. Ask God to help you to know and wanting to know and wanting to use that gift to discern, to appreciate, and most importantly, to, to use this gift. And you say, I want to know the heart behind that gift, Lord. And, want, and use this to give thanks, even as you discover it, for the good of the body and the praise of his glory. Let's take a moment of silence as we pray. Lord, we give thanks to you. It's hard to imagine, Lord, that, that you went to the cross for our sake and you gave your own spirit to come and live in us. You know the unseen dark recesses of our hearts. You know the mess that's inside that we would not want anyone in the world to know and sometimes we, don't, we cannot even bear to look at them ourselves. And yet, you freely sent your spirit into us to live with us, to be our very best friend. Even though all the times that we grieve you, that we sin against you, we lie to you, we let you down. And yet you come into our lives for our sake and for for the body's sake. And you gave us gifts. Gifts that will help us to understand why we are here on this earth. Gifts that will help open our eyes to our God-given missions. And so we pray, Lord, that we confess today that we cannot be ignorant about these things. That you will place into our hearts a deep passion to continue to ask 
to give thanks for the gifts that we want to discover and uncover and to pray, Lord, that you would use these gifts and help us to use them well for you for a lifetime. May you be glorified in our lives. May we be found good and faithful stewards of the spiritual gifts that's given by the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.